Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. domestic, really organized. I cleaned a lot. I decided to catch up on my laundry today instead of in a few days. Being in this house makes me feel like being domestic first. Just noticing that. And um, for a while I've been wondering about my spire. It smelled a little bit funny like because I've been using it since, I don't know, April, May, and I haven't washed it. And I remember seeing online that it can get run through the washer and and live. And um, it did get run through the washer accidentally tonight. So it smells beautiful. It didn't go through the dryer, which is good, because I realized I was looking for my spire and... I realized I left it on my bathing suit top. So it's nice and clean and I'm gonna let it air dry. It feels a little damp and try it again tomorrow, see what happens. Hopefully it still works. Otherwise, hopefully they might replace it. I remember reading somebody say that they're good at replacing it because this thing's so small, it'll be so easy to lose. And so anyway, um, yeah, so I wrote some stuff today, and I'm feeling like maybe I should stop talking so much about this stuff and, and make it into a game or something, or make it into creative, something creative, because I don't know, I've been, I've been saying all this stuff for a long time. And well, maybe the universe is playing a game with us. Because maybe I'm saying the same kind of thing over and over. And I'm looking forward to going out and hanging out with people tomorrow. From being here by myself, um, I don't feel lonely. Uh, I don't really get lonely, but I feel like I want to be around people. So it's not a lack, but I just enjoy being around people, especially since I was out and about. It was like I did a 60-day challenge without even knowing it. And the 60-day challenge has changed my perspective on a lot of things. And... It's making me really want to travel light when I go, so then I have the opportunity to maybe bounce around a little bit because I don't have a ton of stuff. And bouncing around a little bit in California would help because when I get back, maybe I want to continue to bounce around a bit to, to experiment with different ways of being. Like maybe if I find a person who I really like, 
it'd be cool to spend a lot of time with that one person. And I haven't done that in many years. Spend time with one person a lot. It's been years and years and years and years. So that might be interesting. Or um, living with people who want to be co-creative or living short-term different places. Maybe living in different cities up here. Um, I don't know. Uh, taking this abundance class with Steve Pavlina has got me thought, thinking in a, a bunch of different ways and thinking that what I've been doing lately has been sort of an experiment and it's teaching me a lot and this last while has been sort of detaching from people but in the same time, at the same time, feeling like I like being around people more. And... Um, yeah, so it's really interesting, and luckily, well, today he was talking a little bit about planning out the next 90 days, and I already have mine planned out. Uh, I'm working, then I have to get ready to go with all those things, and then I'm going, and then there'll be like a 90-day chunk, and I really want to immerse myself in that and not get all into talking about insights, because I did that last time, and really immerse myself with the people and then from there see where I go. And I'm really excited. I'm like super excited. I really can't wait. So yeah, now it's a matter of getting organized to go and even getting really tidied up today feels like, okay, I'm organized. I'm ready to maybe sell my old car or, and, um, get a bunch of other stuff done. See my doctor to get my three month prescription, different things that I have to do to prepare to go. And experimenting this next month, I want to experiment with choosing to eat healthy food at restaurants. Because I generally, when I eat at restaurants, I just eat what I want. So um, at the burrito place, they have salads with quinoa and vegetables. So I could try that instead of the burrito Things like that. So thinking, okay, well maybe I'm gonna live like this a bit, so how can I how can I be healthier with it? Maybe there are some snacks I can buy that are healthier snacks and and snack a bit more and then eat a smaller dinner or I don't know. I will see. And then with that in mind, the last few months I was uh, going out and sort of keeping to myself. This time, like is there a different perspective to take out into the world in terms of how would I want to live and create myself by living day by day. And I'm always struck by Krishnamurti when he says, find a totally different way of living that brings a new world into being. So he talks about very interesting things, but um, people don't go very deeply into it because I don't know, it might come across as pretty boring, but it's really not once you get your brain oriented to it and oriented to dialogue and um, yeah, I was, I was thinking about how, what was it? I can't remember what it was, but something along the lines of how when we go into mania, we're actually in contact with 
with universal teachings. The universe is teaching us moment to moment. And um, I think one of the things that I, I've learned is that I can't keep this all to myself. And, you know, when that energy comes in, I think one of the reasons why maybe I'm not having these really intense manias is because I'm not using the energy to go off into personal pleasure out in the world. I'm, I'm transferring a lot of energy into something that isn't about keeping it all to myself and um, working towards sharing some of this and, and seeing that um, these different seven S's of co-creation, like Sintony was, I can't remember what it was, but I wrote down that we have that in so-called mania or extreme creative states of consciousness. And that only takes one person, Sintony. And then Synergy, uh, we need more of that. So I put a plus sign and it takes two people to for, syner for synergizing to happen. And then synchronicity, we kind of need less of that because we can go off into our own personal um, reality without other people. We go off into the light, kind of. And um, super sex, that requires two people, and we need more of that. We need more people doing that. And then syntropy also needs two people, and we need more of that. Spontaneity... That only really takes one for spontaneous action. And, you know, I think we could, it doesn't really, maybe more, maybe less. And um, self-creativity, that was, that can be one or two, I think. So we need some of these things that are two to start happening. And happening with people who are into it, um, who don't. Not with people who want to remain completely objective. So we have to be able to sort of share our minds. And um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out because I just drew this little thing. I don't want to light this paper on fire. I have a candle going, but this. So those are kind of showing that, well, some of those things require two people. And oftentimes in mania, we are alone. So, and in terms of the idea I created about the epigestoretic matrix, I've been experimenting with that without intending to, but being in this sort of domestic one, um, domestic epigestoretic matrix, I find myself vacuuming and cleaning the kitchen and doing laundry and those things sort of come first, whereas if I was out and about, I wouldn't be vacuuming or doing laundry. So, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to notice that, to have this um, collapsed reality to this house and feeling like, I want to go out and hang out with people. And um, so I've been hanging out with people and I was saying that I wasn't really doing too much, but is there a way I can hang out with people and increase synergy, increase super sex, or super sex, super sex, and um, increase entropy. That would be cool. Like maybe that's something to do, and maybe serendipity is another one. I can't remember what the definition is, but there could be missing ones here. 
and um, maybe that's what we know because we're people who go into those super creative states and that's definitely one of part of the richness of the state and um, yeah so I, I am feeling like I it'd be cool to be able to um, make this a lot simpler I was thinking people like Ken Wilber have definitely made something cool I haven't studied it very much but he talks about the integral operating system and maybe that applies to people who go into these altered states though people who get labeled with mental illness by going into these altered states they don't necessarily get recommended to Ken Wilber's work per se but I feel that it's possible that maybe we do need a bit of a different way to change lenses and look at life because we're thrust into that state and we get information overload so we get to sort of figure it out in retrospect instead of in forward motion so um, so yeah I don't I'm not sure but there could be something like we're not trying to go towards creating these these aspects we already have contacted or they have contacted us so um, so how do so what is the difference then if these aspects have contacted us what is getting in the way and you know, maybe it's the design of our reality, our epigestretic matrix. We're not moving in such a way objectively that will give us these capacities subjectively. Um, today I increased my capacity to do laundry and uh, vacuum and, and get things organized to go out for recycling and things like that. That's not really that exciting. And, and now I'm... A bit more excited to travel and take a tent and see what happens. Last night I didn't sleep the greatest. I had the sensation at one point that I was falling asleep but I wasn't. So at one point I heard myself go Mm. but I realized that there was a part of me that was wide awake when that was happening it wasn't like I was sleeping and then I did that and I felt like I couldn't sleep and at one point I did the whole jerking awake thing and I got up and my heart was pounding but there was no fear in it but it felt like it was really pounding so the fear has gone away from that whole experience of not being able to fall asleep and jerking awake and I also now I remember I did see something in my mind's eye and it looked like a hologram and I couldn't tell what it was but I was looking at it intensely with my inner eyes and I could see it but I didn't know what it was but it was of that same quality of holographic light and so after I realized I wasn't really sleeping, and then at a certain point I thought, well, it seems like my body's kind of sleeping, but I'm not sleeping. Which raises the question, is there an eye separate from the body that is sleeping? Like, the body sleeps. Maybe awareness doesn't sleep. I don't know. One day I might be okay with this whole being kind of wide awake while my body sleeps thing. 
but right now I'm not for whatever reason. So I got up at some point and put in a gravel suppository and part of it fell out of my pants this morning so I don't think it all got absorbed. I was feeling really tired but I couldn't sleep and then um, I was down to less than a quarter of azoplicone. So some of this could be that my body's having trouble sleeping with not enough zoplicone. So tonight, I might try Nozanan. I might give this a try because maybe it'll help me get off the zoplicone, which is more addictive. And maybe I won't like it either. I don't really like the idea of adding another antipsychotic. But at least it'd be good because when I see my, my GP mid-September, I'll be able to say, well, yeah, the Nazanin was helpful. Can I have more, please? Because that's something I don't have very much of. And I'm wondering if it could be the CBD oil cream provoking this a little bit. Like, the thing I wonder is if, like, CBD isn't psychoactive, but I'm wondering if the CBD could activate things that are still more in alignment with dreaming awake or um, opening up perception in a different way that makes it challenging to sleep in the physical objective existence. So it's like the objective body wants to go to sleep, but there's still this subjectivity awake. And it's like, well, I want the subjectivity to go to sleep too. And um, it seems to resist it for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I've talked to myself about how it seems like when one is really awake and the subjectivity is really strong in objective life too, then it's like going through another layer to fall asleep. So the layer below that is the regular consensus consciousness, which is already sleeping. In comparison to being wide awake, like in an awakening sense, the next level down, which is waking consciousness with the thought projection programming going, that's being asleep. So there's some kind of weird thing that happens there sometimes when there's trouble sleeping and when one's gone too far into that energized state, which I could have energized by talking to myself so much and also by being alone. So I don't have people who are really grounded in objective consciousness around and I've been resisting that, but I do feel it's kind of good for my heart to sense, like the electromagnetic of my heart, to sense the beating of other hearts that are beating with their objectivity. Their heart is like an objective magnet as opposed to a subjective one. And I'm sure my heart, if I'm down sleeping in the basement, senses that other hearts are beating and sleeping in this house too. And right now that's not the case. So I feel that makes me more prone to go into my own subjective reality, my sort of dream possibility. And I'm not wanting to go into that until I leave. So here I've been resisting that, like living here, but 
not necessarily sleeping here. So this week has given me a different perspective. It's it's given me a different type of appreciation for living with people grounded in objectivity. It's not something that's necessarily bad. It could be could be helpful. So the theme for me is the importance of being around people, which I do really enjoy a lot more now. And not for any kind of end or purpose or goal, but just to be around people. And uh, yeah, I think it's really important. And so maybe I have a new appreciation for things that I didn't appreciate. But that generally goes along with going into that more um, positive energy state. So last night was technically a little blip of, of the possibility of negative energy state. I am feeling more tired these last two days. I haven't been sleeping as well. Those two days, I took smaller and smaller chunks of Zoplicone. So wondering, I'm not really supposed to take it all the time, but wondering if taking a quarter of it is a good thing or adding Benadryl back in because I used to be taking two and now I'm not taking any. Though I do think it's good to stop taking things for a certain time so the body doesn't totally habituate so then those things work later on better. So to switch the nausinan a bit, um, you know, get off the zoplicone and then, you know, maybe try Benadryl and maybe that will be enough. I'm not sure. And, but it was good. There was no fear there. Like my heart was pounding in the same way that it pounds sometimes when it wakes up, but there's no... There's no energy around getting up in fear to end my life or something. It's it's more... Maybe that when that self-life is coming to an end, the self is no longer afraid of, of dying, of ending. And maybe it's part of actually awakening or rebirth or living one's dream. Being... The brain being used to being grounded in the subject lens, the subjectivity. I'm just using those words that it's very hard to... I feel like we can be in objective waking reality and live our subjective dream. How we would really want to be here. That's already happened in so-called mania. So we know that it's possible. And Steve Pavlina said something today about, he was just, in his sharing, he shared, you know, people get together to make a movie. Like, it takes a lot of people to make a movie. And then I was thinking, well, it'd be cool to get together with some people like me who want to live in a cool way that is so cool that people might want to make a movie about one day. So, because Steve brings in the point of, like, would aliens want to watch our show, like my show or your show or whatever? And and my talking to myself has been relatively boring, but, well, it's not boring to me, but it's not really, uh, it's not really entertaining per se, but it could still be like everything that I've said to myself, there could be seeds of a script. You know, go from... Um, Steve was talking about a movie script or the script of a play, and I realized the word script is often 
used as a short form of prescription, like a medical prescription. You could say, oh, my script or whatever. But So that's another psychiatric term that can be turned around and and one can realize that one can create one's own script of one's own movie. So I've talked to myself about this and uh, I've talked to myself before about how oh, maybe it's time to really live this. But I don't think that it's been the time to live it. So I'm not regretting talking to myself and and creating a lot of different memes and ideas and, and bits that could be part of a script of of living it out, living out the dream. So the script of the story could be something like I talk myself into living my dreams after having a taste of it and so-called mania. So I go on a road trip to California and and there I meet a lot of, it doesn't have to be a lot, a few co-creative beings that maybe want to go on a road trip in an RV for a few months and document that process or not document it. But start experimenting with different lifestyles. So that's something that this deep abundance thing has shown me like okay I can experiment with living in an RV for a month or something with people and then maybe for a month by myself and then when I come back I could live in a room in the city and start experimenting with what type of environment allows my dream to flower because I would never want it to flower in opposition to anyone else and that's part of what I have trouble with even in terms of sharing things that I've said to myself, is that I don't see it as much as helping. I see it more as like possibly influencing people. So maybe that's where the fear base is, that I don't want to be influencing people in a way that they don't want. It's kind of a fear of mine because I don't know. But then that's denying the fact that we're one. So I, don't, I really don't know. And then anyway, like living my dream for a while, I would want to follow the sun, like leave this cold country in the winter and and go to warmer countries and then travel to different workshops to learn and meet people and then maybe create a workshop. And, um, but maybe later, right? Like I, I keep, I think, oh, I'll create a workshop, but I don't know if that would be first or later after enjoying, like the fact is my physical body won't be as strong and then like 10 years from now. So I want to rollerblade, maybe learn tennis. I would probably take singing lessons if I really wanted to. And then when I find somewhere to settle, I don't know, I feel like I wanna live, I wanna try to live in a, a co-creative conscious type community. So maybe somebody already has a house like that and they're looking for a roommate. So I live in someone else's community and then learn how to create a community with whoever. Like I think being around people who one really resonates with and there's a little fly, um, enjoys being around a lot. Like there's certain people that I could be around all the time and it wouldn't matter what we're doing. Just being around them is so enjoyable. So um, maybe find people that see that in in me and me and them too, which 
you know, out of seven or seven to eight billion people, there's got to be a few, um, you know, meeting um, a beautiful partner possibly, and having the same values and things like that, and and then eventually um, creating like maybe a documentary, and then also. One day creating the dream center like that homeless man or kind of homeless man told me to do. Finding people that want to co-create that with the seven S's of co-creation. I don't know what is supposed to come first, but... And that's part of the surprise. flies out in this area really really friendly um so today i didn't take any dlpa dl phenylalanine which is something that also is part of the dopamine pathway usually i don't take it but i was taking it a bit to use it up taking a tyrosine and a dlpa so tomorrow uh, as well I took tyrosine and SAMI and methylfolate today, which are tyrosines for dopamine and methylfolate and SAMI are for methylation, which I think part of that is how the brain cells uh, grow more because they need epigenetic expression and blah, blah. So tomorrow I'll probably not take the methylators or tyrosine and see if I sleep a little bit better. Um, I never really try the branched-chain amino acid strategy, though I could try that. Because I don't get manic, but these, when the brain gets too energized with the dopamine, it could be hard to fall asleep. So I could try branched-chain amino acids. They taste gross, uh, but I did buy some branched-chain amino acid gummies, which are, are more portable. And... Um, Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting that one needs to learn how to sleep and how to see. How to be really awake and present and um when you when you think about that it's like learning how to open and close one's eyes. And that's something that we usually rely on uh, like being awake during the day and then sleeping at night we close our eyes or we uh, we blink so we can close our eyes with our own consciousness but our eyes also close in a blink unconsciously it's like part of the autonomic nervous system i think with the automatic stuff so it's something that's under subconscious and conscious control but then there's also awakening to consciousness which is another type of eye opening or awakening one could think of the veil of thought and the veil of the self as a closed inner eyelid 
and it's closed all the time. Like maybe we have an inner eyelid, like inside. And so it's blocking our ability to see. And, and when that starts opening, more energy and information flow gets in and goes through is processed by the brain that leads to different action and behavior but we don't know how to necessarily close that inner eye when we want to go to sleep so right now i'm using medications to close it and it's possible it doesn't need to be closed like one might be able to sleep with the objective body sleeping and the inner consciousness or awakened awareness is wide awake while the body sleeps. I've heard of that happening. And I can kind of see something in that. From what I say, I see so much more than I'm able to put into words. But it doesn't matter really because one has to discover these things for themselves. Doesn't, if I say something about the inner eyelid, what does that mean? It means something in my experience at this point because I've been in dialogue with myself. It's funny, I bought those puppets to talk with and um, today Steve Pavlina on his call number 29 talked about having dialogue with like stuffed animals and he showed a monkey and a sheep and a tiger. And I think there was one more, I can't remember. But I bought a monkey dinosaur and um, a hummingbird. So the hummingbirds for joy of living dreams. Um, and the dinosaur was sort of like the old paradigm thinking, including psychiatry. So, so yeah, I'm going to return the monkey though because the, it's just, you can't move the mouth. I don't want to talk to flat affect monkey. Plus it kind of hurts my hand. So, so yeah, today I get to be social and for the next number of days I get to be social. One day it'd be cool to be social and have a sort of documentation process where I'm able to share what other people are doing too. That's one of the reasons this is boring because I'm just keeping to, it to myself so I don't include other people on this for privacy reasons and things because I don't have anything officially sorted out that way but I will at some point maybe after December or January. We'll see. So I'm gonna get on with my day and um, yeah, kinda tired. Energy's not as much there and I could have burnt out my brain by talking so much, but also by being by myself so much. It's possible, I don't know. So Realizing that I don't really want to make food for myself, that's going to make me more social in being out and about in space. The other thing is I'm really hearing that inner sound a lot. That like the Schumann resonance. 
Schumann resonance, but it's also fluctuating like in, in its volume and usually it doesn't really do that, but I'm feeling like sometimes I get this tremor in my left ear like and it's it feels like my eardrum is going like duh, 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 and I can hear it almost like Morse code or something and then um, it's weird that I have this tremor it's almost like like a temporal lobe thing to do with hearing I don't hear voices but a while ago I started hearing something when I was falling asleep in my dark room in the basement and I thought maybe I could hear a TV through the vents or something and then nobody's here now and I can still hear that so there is no TV it's not TV through the vents I'm hearing something and it sounds like a low-grade murmur of people talking in like another room uh, so I was also realizing too though that being in a dark room on a bed is kind of like sensory deprivation and people in sensory deprivation tanks they they can hear stuff or have like so-called hallucinations but um, it's not really a big deal it could just be a matter of sensory deprivation and one could also Steve Pavlina was talking about how we have a certain amount of neurons for our visual system and a certain amount for our auditory system and there's more for visual than auditory and I was thinking about how people who hear voices, which I don't have experience with, it's like their auditory system has become very dominant. And they're hearing these things and they're quite loud or however they are. And they don't feel like they're coming from inside. They feel like they're coming from outside. So there is information coming from the outside, but it seems like it's become auditory dominant. If people are really hearing voices, they're not really, they're not seeing, they're not in contact with the actual here and now. And that's not a judgment. I'm, what I'm trying to point out is that since like the vision has become even more constricted by these loud voices, like our vision gets constricted by thoughts that we feel like we are the author of, like the self talking to itself, inner chatter, inner critic that is seen as just our self-criticizing ourselves, but when we have these intrusive voices our visual system would likely be taking in even less information so I feel like people who hear voices get possibly more um, more energy going to the auditory system coming in but like what's coming in from the outside are these loud voices but it could be saying that partly that there's a mismatch between what is happening and what is in coming through the ears or supposedly coming through the ears. Too much energy coming through the auditory system and not enough through the visual and it could be partly because people don't like what they see as their life, possibly. So then, I'm not saying that's the only way, but somehow the auditory system becomes really dominant to the point that we no longer feel like we are the author of the sounds. Like something else is doing it. It's intrusive. And um, I feel that it, it's important possibly to have the visual system more dominant. And I think that's what happens in so-called mania. Is that the visual system becomes really dominant. And 
if it's even more dominant than it is designed to be in consensus reality or consensus mode of consciousness, then it's going to take even more information. And I think that's good because consensus is pretty boring because it's based on the repetition of the self. Whereas, you know, get rid of consensus and get put to senses when our senses are fully alive. Of course, we can still hear too. We can hear the moment, but, um, you know, hearing voices could be a vision problem in a way. Like we're not able to see the beauty of the moment um, or the voices are are trying to get us away from whatever's happening now to get to a more beautiful scenario. I think partly they're trying to scare us. Because they're scary, right? So part of it is fear. So if we have that much fear, it could manifest. You know, if there's nothing to necessarily be fearful about in one's present objective situation, if one is feeling fear deep inside, then it could manifest as fearful voices, perhaps. Um, it could also be like a compassion mechanism in some way, in a, in a roundabout way, because sometimes when people are in really fearful states of consciousness, they, they project and they, they get angry at people in their situation. They're maybe like acting out and violent because they're afraid. But people who hear voices, um, you know, they could have even internalized that fear even more such that the fear is just acting on them like a, t like a type of self-harm. Doesn't mean people don't sometimes follow them and get afraid but or act out a bit. But I think the harm is more on that personal, that, that person. That person has agreed to take on the harm. Like the memes of harm in general have accumulated in that person and they're almost willing to take it on more because other people aren't aren't taking that on we're not taking on what thought does it's thought in general I'm not explaining this very well but years ago when I had trouble with my balance and my vision and everything and it felt like the floor was wobbly. Like, I think this has been going on for a long time, even before this mental health diagnosis. Um, I was diagnosed with visual vestibular mismatch. And, like, something was wrong with my balance system, so then my eyes were compensating by taking in more information in order to balance my body. And because of that, I felt like I couldn't see. Like, I was looking, but I felt like I couldn't see because... My vision energy, a lot was being devoted to balancing, like the vestibular system. And I eventually figured out how to make that sensation go away, but I realized that it's possible that I was sort of walking between subjectivity and objectivity without knowing it. And that could have been part of what primed me to be so visual now. I'm super visual to the point where I need to be able to see things in order to, to act on them. So, yeah, I'm not trying to say that I know what hearing voices is about, but
People who hear voices probably know a lot more than I do. I don't hear voices, but I... I feel like if we can learn to see the beauty, then the beauty speaks to us. But those voices, they make us even more blind because they make us even they make us even more afraid and when we're afraid we can't we can't see we can't act we're in fight or flight or freeze and then it could be a lot of people they have voices and then they act on the voices and this could be uh, this could be perception action, but since our brains are conditioned to perceive through our thought projections, we act on those. So we could, the brain could be trying to get into perception action, but since it has these voices, it's acting and perceiving the world based on the voices. And um, we need to see visually. I think we need like the voice reversal process. When we're in co contact with the moment, the universe can speak to us instead of these terrible voices. I don't know. I really don't know. I just, I wish I could figure out a way to help people who are suffering maybe one day. Good news, I got my line of credit Visa card in the mail, which is great. So I have that. And um, not so good news, my Spire won't connect to my iPhone. So I put it on the charger and it did its little happy buzz that it's connected to the charger. So we'll see if it works later on. And then I'll have to see if it's giving kind of similar information that it used to if it does connect. Otherwise, I'm going to have to connect with the Spire people and see if they'll help me out. Looks like a fairy is holding the fly. Caught this little guy. And I'm going to release him because he kept landing on me. And I don't want him in my space, as cute as he is. So it looks like my spire works, even though I washed it, so now it's nice and clean and it works, which is good. And um, I'm feeling kind of tired and my heart feels a little funny today when I'm by myself, like when I was driving to see my friends and then now that I'm home it seems like it's beating faster and, and harder. So tonight I'm going to not do the CBD cream. And I'm going to try half a nozanan, which is two and a half milligrams. It's called 
methoprazine or something, methoprazine. And I'm probably going to pick up some Benadryl too to try that again, perhaps. Because the important thing is sleeping for me. And... And tomorrow I'm going to not take any tyrosine or methylfolate or um, SAM-E because those are sort of boosters and see how that helps. And I'll make a note to myself to remember about the branched-chain amino acids. So maybe I'll try a little bit of that. And what else? Tomorrow's the last day of the 30-day def. Deep Abundance Integration with Steve Pavlina. And it's been good. I think it's been helpful. I'm seeing possibilities for when I come back and how to be creative with that and live in a free sort of way. Like a flowy kind of way. And uh, what else? Yeah, I'm be pretty social these next couple of days and um, I tried to sign up for the free evening talk with the enlightened master that I met 10 years ago but it's full so I guess it's not meant to be I always well I often get signs from the universe that I'm not supposed to take classes and learn more from people but I think the Steve Pavlina one was okay because it's like getting into thinking about abundance and creativity and living out one's life how one wants and so that's an alignment and I think it was also just showing somebody doing 30 days and for me I've talked to myself for 600 days, not every day, but almost sometimes. And I think it helps me to integrate, to have a dialogue with myself. And I don't know if I mentioned, but today he brought on these, I think I did mention the, the stuffed animals he brought on. And it's kind of funny because I did that with the puppet, the puppets days ago. And um, yeah, so tomorrow I'm going to go out shopping. I need to get a gift for somebody and then... Um, yeah, just, I think being alone right now isn't good. I'm feeling the difference of how my heart is beating. So we'll see how it goes with the Nazanan. I don't know if that's really a good one or not, but if I go to get a good sleep, that's good. If I feel weird because it's an antipsychotic, whereas the Zoplicone isn't, then we'll see. Some of this too could be withdrawal effects from the Zoplicone. I was feeling kind of like pins and needles in my arms and stuff a little bit. So I have to remember that coming off that might not be super easy. So, so yeah. I don't know if there's anything else I wanted to say today, but... It was a good day. I felt fine when I was out and about, but a little bit of like shortness of breath and like heart. And that sound is really loud. I think it's just almost like echoing off the walls. I don't hear it when I'm out and about because there's enough other sound to mask it. But when it's really quiet and I'm by myself, I can hear it. It's not really that annoying, but um, 
it sort of picks up an intensity as my heart picks up. It sounds almost like maybe a magnet, like a spinning magnet or something. I don't know, but I'm going to try and get ready for my trip and be ready early in the month so then I can focus on enjoying myself for the last few weeks and stuff like that. I just got to the park and started only taking a very few steps of my walk and then there's these crazy strange looking ducks with funny faces. They don't look like they can fly, they have really, really small wings. How did they get here? I'm gonna have to look them up later, but this could uh, be part of my theory that I made with myself about how the more we're in the state of love, species just come out of the ether, they come out of the quantum hologram and make themselves known to us. I don't think evolution is really biological, but it's the energy of love that makes these things appear or manifest or what have you. Never seen big ducks like this with vulture faces. This is so incredible. Who are these? Wow, you guys, this is such a nice surprise to see something never seen before. Didn't even know existed. They have really small wings. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they are, do you? I call them a turkey duck. That's what they look like to me. They're have, ducks. Have you seen them before? They've been here for about four days straight, right in the same spot. Oh, but have you seen them in previous years? No, never. Wow. And the way they're not afraid of people, I'm starting to think they got out of somebody's farm or something like that. Oh, maybe. I think if they stay there too much longer, the uh, rangers are going to try and catch them and move them. So have the rangers seen them? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're definitely one of a kind. They're really neat. They are, aren't they? Do they fly? Like the wings don't look like I they're... I don't know, every time I, every day I come here, 
They're right in the exact same mount, so I don't know if they come and go or if they just sit there all day. They might just sit there. There's enough fish in there, I guess, for them to eat and whatnot. Right. Any other wildlife you get this close to that it scatters, it goes away. Yeah. These guys don't. It looks like the ones that look like males, the four in the middle, looks like they've had their wings clipped to me. Now that that guy's flashing, yeah, I see what you mean. That guy too, they don't look like they can fly. Yeah, but the, can. oh, some of them look like they maybe can. Like that one. Seem short, don't they? Yeah, on a, on two of them at least. And it's a family, so I guess they're all stick together. Yep. Be a real shame if some off-leash off dog came and massacred them. got your wings clipped or something tried to attack you I don't know I'm at the park and that duck thing, those turkey duck looking things are really cool. Apparently they've been sitting there for four days. 
a lady who's walked this park for 20 years has never seen them. So they've been here for four days. Where do they come from? Nobody knows. The rangers might try to relocate them. But it's just kind of cool. They just sort of came out of nowhere. But it looks like four of them have their wings clipped or it doesn't look like a very nice job of wing clipping. So it could have been that they were attacked or are being attacked at night and they fend things off by hissing and flapping their wings and maybe they're able to do that as a defense together until um, you know finally they have no wings and maybe they get eaten or something but I wouldn't know because I have only seen them today not the last four days if I would know that I would tell them to rescue those things now but I don't know and the two that still have their wings look like females they're smaller, they have less red on their face, so maybe the males are protecting the females, I don't know. But it's just really fascinating. I come to the park, mainly because I wanted to test out this uh, sweat coin app that a friend of, me, of mine sent me. And it looks really interesting, not, not just because of what it's designed to do, but the implications of what they can possibly do even more like this relates a little bit to my idea of what I was thinking but not really but what the app does is it counts your steps outside and it converts your steps to what they call sweat coin and I watched their one minute intro video and basically they're saying movement is a currency and by using the app one can capture that movement and their algorithm to see if you're walking outside and then I think if you take a thousand steps you get one sweat coin and I don't really know what that might convert to in in currency like money they don't have that part integrated yet but they said start collecting your sweat coin and you can get more coin by like sending things to people like in their marketplace and you can also buy stuff like for example there was an iPhone 8 for 20,000 step sweat coin now I think the maximum you can earn per day is 30 coin I don't know if that's through steps or through also sending things to people it must be both because it'd be really hard to get um, well, I guess that'd be 30,000 steps. Some people can do that. But that would be kind of walking a lot of the day. And I was thinking, well, hey, um, you know, a lot of times homeless people walk a lot of the day. Not, not the ones that sit, but the ones that collect bottles and stuff. But then it costs money to have a smartphone. So it doesn't really work that way yet. But I just think it's kind of a cool idea. So I wanted to test it out at this park because it connects I, I don't have service part of it I think so I want to see if how many steps I get outside here converts to steps in that app or if I have to be connected to a tower it doesn't really matter that much also too sometimes I connect to the, the US network so I'm wondering if when that happens, if it counts the steps in sweat coin. So, I only want to know that because I might try to walk here more 
just to test that out. It might actually make a good challenge, especially because I'm kind of winded right now. I'm not in the best shape. I wasn't feeling the greatest the last few days and I was tired, I didn't get enough sleep, blah, blah, blah. So I just wanted to test this out. And I tried the 30 month trial to get um, earning 10 a day. I probably won't be able to quite make that, but I could make over five. So if you want to earn over 10 a day, you have to pay like five sweat coin a month. So that's like half a day's work if you get the 10,000. So it probably doesn't make sense, but I'm just testing it out. And I just thought, wow, they're gonna be a lot of, able to capture a lot of different things and measure them in the future. Like being able to capture human movement outside or human movement and, you know, rewarding people for moving more. Even though on the grand scheme of things, it might not add up to much, but imagine 30, 30 sweat coin was $30. People might be able to live on $30 a day, or it might make it so a person could basically hike the world and wander the world and be able to live at the same time. You know, just keep walking. That would be interesting, right? So, I also have the app Job Spotter, so one can get Amazon gift cards with that too. So, you know, maybe there is really a future. Maybe. Of course there's a future, but it's possible that there'll be ways to just sort of move around and do whatever one wants and still able to make some kind of currency. Maybe not earn dollars in that type of economy, but earn sweat coins. So, like for example, when I'm in California, I'm going to try to rollerblade as much as I can, and I'm going to test this out to see if it works with rollerblading. Cause I think it said turn biking, walking and something else into sweat coin. So I'm gonna test this out because uh, if I rollerblade a few times a week and I'm able to earn a little bit of this type of coin, that might be cool. And so um, back to the 20,000 sweat coin that would take at 30 coin a day, which is high, like even at, at 10, I think I measured 10, it's, it would take like 2,000 days, which is like, what, five or six years or something, I think. So that's a long time to earn an iPhone 8. Like one could earn that with dollars a heck of a lot quicker, but this could be a cool and non-intrusive way of doing that. But of course they're tracking people's movements and you know they'll integrate different things in it. Maybe one time later job spotter will be integrated with Sweatcoin and it's like making it's almost it is gamifying walking in a way. It's making it into some kind of currency. I don't know how job spotter makes is able to pay people for their job spots and stuff, but um I also think They'll try to create things like this to make certain things in reality salient. Like, hey, take a picture of this brand here and that brand there. So it's it's programming us to make certain things salient. That's kind of what I like about this 
sweat coin is just walking outside. It's something I would do anyway. And getting the sweat coin might motivate me to do it a little more. And that's why I wanted to make sure it works in this park where I like to walk. And then I'll check the rollerblading and then when I go to California, you know, it's just a matter of having the app running in the background. It does take battery. I have an external battery pack. Um, and I kind of want to be a bit of a wanderer. So another thing I could do one day is go for more walks with people and like walk in dialogue, things like that. It might encourage me to not go the route of trying to do something through the computer. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I think it's really interesting and I feel that one day they might have something that like I was trying to create or I was thinking of the idea of some kind of algorithm to do likes in reality. I think there's an episode of Black Mirror that's something like that. Um, like technology could be used to measure our behavior one day. It might be able to know what we're thinking. It might be able to know what we are, what we said to somebody or what gesture we made. Like if we have an Apple watch or something. And one thing I might want to learn to do, which I don't know is if it's worth it or not, is to take smaller steps because then I get more steps. And I think, oh, I think generally I don't get as many steps. Um, it's hard for me to get 10,000 steps in a day. Like six to eight is really good if I walk this park for a while because I take really big steps. I think I take probably twice or one a half time more the average step length. I wouldn't be surprised. So, um, yeah, taking smaller steps. But if I research it and taking longer steps is healthier, then I wouldn't bother with that. But if it said taking shorter steps is actually better for you, then that would be good to do then. And man, this week I was feeling so dehydrated, especially after the night I took the Nazanan. I felt so dehydrated. And yesterday I felt crazily dehydrated and I went to a, a gas station to get some kind of hydrating something. And so I got coconut water, which I thought was a good idea, but I got this brand called One. So I don't know how to do this, or what this is, even what I'm doing. I just had my shaved pan. When I was tanning, I had a bunch of insights and wanted to get out to record them, but I'm feeling sort of overwhelmed or, or something, I'm not sure. 
and I don't know exactly what to do or what order to do it, but I realize even to come out here and start talking with a motive into this, with saying stuff that I remember saying, that's blocking the energy. So I even have to let go sometimes of something that's presented because I'll be reminded and see-minded and me-minded and what other other what other types of minds are there but like I had the insight that the power of now like no wonder it's propagated because it's about sitting on a park bench and not participating in life and not doing anything and I subscribed to that notion for quite some time but now I see that's not it. It's an element, it's a stage, it's a place, it's a part, it's something, but it's not it. Whatever it is, who knows? Can't really know. But when I went for the safe tan, it's funny, I've been drawn to this baby blue color and this baby pink color. There's so many monkeys and bananas everywhere just ate a banana to calm down, actually, because I felt too much like a monkey. I nicknamed myself Rafiki yesterday and likes the Lion King, and she was thinking of watching Forrest Gump, and so was I, and Forrest Gump was on the table at Value Village, but the sequel, Gump and Company, just randomly out of the bookshelf, and she said people were talking about her at her work and making references, and not too long ago I wikied it to find out all the historical references. So there's something with that movie, and there's something with like The Lion King and The Little Mermaid, and, and certain movies that... I don't know why that guy's looking at me. I don't know. Maybe because I'm talking to myself in a car. And maybe being a little bit animated. <laughs> oh, and that lady's looking at me too. Well, people should be used to it by now with all the Bluetooth and... Now there's Bluetooth in the cars. But I guess... Where I was going with that was to get back in track, on track, out of track, off track. These words are strange, but anyways. So the blue color, I bought a blue Lululemon headband, baby blue. I've been attracted to these two colors. And I bought these stupid um, tanning goggles at this dollar store. And they didn't really work because they were straight. And... So finally when Insight sort of came or what have you, um, I realized, hey, bend it. <laughs> Duh. So I bent it, and now they work like a charm. So I put them on, and I turn on the tanning lights, and lo and behold, there's baby pink. They look so pretty. And then I close my eyes and I open them. I don't know if it was the closing and opening process or what. But there is baby blue, and it looks like I'm looking at the clear blue sky. And it said, I, like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. And this morning, I thought it was going to be raining, and I opened up the, the blinds, and it was a beautiful, clear day. And 
even so, when I first got there to my tanning appointment, I was afraid I was going to be late. It was 9-11, which is that silly number I'd always see. But my appointment was for 9. I walk in, and the room was being used anyway, so it didn't matter. And I felt better, and I told her I felt better about not being late. She said, I thought it was going to be rainy today. Everyone was telling me it was going to be rainy. And I was like, yeah, I thought so too. That's what I thought, because I checked days ago. Then I thought, well, I was just talking about how we need to know the weather more often here, because because it changes so much so we almost need to be told because that way we can be prepared with the different clothes we need for the day or whatnot because we kind of need to know and that way we're not wasting time adjusting to outside things we can just flow flow because we do have the things in technology to flow and so she mentioned that and so it was interesting and then I had the insight to make sure that like weather alert storm coming like right now so change or what or whatever so we're comfortable so we don't have to think about our body because holy crap I can't even remember that I have a body right now which we need to remember but we forget things when we're in this flow state because it's just sort of one entity we forget that there's this me body that needs to to eat and yesterday after we were having this great conversation and she playfully bought some makeup she forgot to take her makeup because she's not thinking, me, my makeup, blah, blah, blah. She just forgot. And I often, in Santa Barbara was the first time, I was talking to this lady and so excited that she had dates. And she gave me different little sample packs of dates to purchase for a low price that I was about to walk away without paying. So I can see myself not paying and not, not taking my stuff, my stuff. And then I realized, hey, I don't need to sell my iPhone. I can just keep it for the place, which is cool. And also, so with the weather thing, we could change. And so she gave me that insight. And then I realized, well, I need to get things delivered to my house because I'm going to forget to pay. And it's hard to get around. And it's stressful that to make appointments because I can't get there on time. Like this morning, I woke up and the insights were just flowing so much that it was crazy. And I realized, hey, it was weird. I bought that, like tie-dye colored doll oh my god and this happened oh, fuck, this should happen now and I wanted one with a pink head and a blue head and today I see pink and blue in the morning in the goggles and then I had the insight that like no wonder it's the doll like she did like I woke up and I saw the doll and I wanted to hug it and I squeezed it and it felt so nice just to give this squishy doll a hug and then I had the intuition to like bring it around with me like a child would bring a doll around and and then I went to the bathroom and I saw that thing, that, I, that plastic piece I put hanging there, and I realized, hey, I'm always running back and forth to write some of this stuff down. I do need real-time recording stuff that I can just have on me all the time. And I opened one of my boxes that came yesterday, and it was my camera. So I got distracted trying to put the battery every, in and everything, and I do have it with me. But that brings me back to, after the tan, I'm changing, and I sit down, and I look, and there's a McLean's magazine, and there's Oprah on the cover with her big O face, because, you know, they always, if it's a controversial article, they make some kind of silly photo. Um, <laughs> and on page 54, which is my number, there's an article about how most of her self-help gurus, they admit they're frauds. And I was like, I was just talking about that like two days ago, huh? or yesterday, about how no wonder they let the power of now propagate. Not that he's the guru that's a fraud. I'm sure he is in a great state. But what is that great state even really doing? Like, it's passing along more more amnesia and more, okay, let's just 
sit here like we're dead until we die instead of being so in the head. So let's sit here like we're dead instead of being in the head. And that's like another pacification, another drug. Because there is still that energy underneath that is going to explode. And it's going to explode in, in a quote-unquote bad way. More and more, and the heavier it explodes, I don't know. But it's all in order. So the subjective perception of something being bad is order. So I saw the wizard. She said, oh, something, something, something. I should have brought that, that carrying case. Because some of this stuff that's unknown to the other people needs to be recorded without them knowing. Because that way it's just spontaneous and random and it will pass along that way of interacting without saying, oh, this is how you should act. I don't want to talk about how I act. So action needs to be immediate and spontaneous and not talked about, just acted. There's my lady who bought brought me the mugwort, maybe. Very knowledgeable lady. Hmm. I don't know. It needs to be real time. I can see that much. And then there needs to be a space, sort of a space to be and play and does that space need to be created first, or, or what? I believe I can trust in, in that. I didn't see that they added natural flavor, like natural coconut flavor to coconut water. It tasted really gross, but I drank most of it anyway for the hydration factor. But when I opened it, it smelled kind of like poofy, like poof. And then I tasted it and it tastes like over the top, um, unnatural coconut. It's like they used like rotten coconut water and then put this natural flavoring of coconut in it to cover it up. So, ew, I'll never get that again. It was really gross. But I think it did help me to feel a bit more hydrated today. Oh, and I'm not going to put too much Creed into this app until one learns how the coins translate to dollars because maybe I don't want to buy the stuff on there and it takes a long time to get 20,000 of these to say buy an iPhone 8. An iPhone 8 is probably like maybe a thousand dollars, I don't know. Maybe a thousand US dollars or maybe less. So 20,000 coin, which would take, that's like, you might think, oh, I'm gonna get $20,000 for 20,000 coin. Sweat coin.
but it's like a thousand dollars if that's what the iPhone 8 is. So, um, so that's 20 times less. So, 30 sweat coin in a day might end up being like a dollar. So, you know, it's nice to get a, a dollar a day, but it might be like 50 cents a day. But that's better than nothing. And I think the thing of it is, though, they have this thing like get a sweat coin for sending this ad to a friend or this product or this whatever. So, that could wear out pretty quickly. Because that one thing could be like, when people find out it's like 0 .001 of a cent, it's not really going to be helpful, but they could, it could change over time too. But just testing it out for fun. And yeah, it seems like there'll be more things like this out in different ways and things like that, so. Yesterday, I got rid of the last two bags of the mess I made of all those shredded papers. And so, they're at the bottom of garbage cans that will be lifted by a big truck and not people. So, it's pretty much perfect. And I'm getting hungry, so I'm gonna have a Lara bar. I had some Yorkshire tea this morning instead of mate or coffee and took my vitamins that I take on an empty stomach. It made me feel kind of sick. I had to drink a kombucha and take some probiotics and now I feel better. And I only had two dates with my vitamins I take in the morning that I take with food, about half an hour to an hour after the ones without food. And now I feel okay. But I'm feeling tired, a little dehydrated. I'm thinking that taking the overnight oats could have partly de dehydrated me because I think oats absorb a lot of water and probably take a lot of water to process. So it could have been that too. I have some oats in my fridge that were for overnight but I didn't eat them this morning because I felt sick and I didn't want to throw up overnight oats. So um, yeah and I didn't take tyrosine or DLPA or SAMI or methylfolate this morning because I took it yesterday because I didn't have enough sleep and I had a really long day and I wanted to have some energy and positivity because it was a fun day um, but not today because having trouble sleeping a bit still but last night I took half a Zoplicone I was only taking a quarter but I really wanted to have a good sleep and I did sleep well and I woke up feeling really refreshed so I'm kind of liking the Zoplicone Hey, I just figured out the crack in the table is a natural um, phone holder. That's cool. I haven't had one of these in like a week. Because I was making food. And these are portable food. So interesting. A guy walked by the garbage can, recycle can and stuff. And I heard a can drop and I saw it, but I didn't see him do it. 
and he was walking by that spot right then and there. So I was kind of like, well, obviously he just dropped the can on the ground and didn't even care. But I wasn't judging it. I was just observing it. And then it came to mind that perhaps when clear perception sees that, it changes, like the universe sees that. Can the universe see through some of our eyes when we're not judging? And so he walked down the path and, you know, maybe he went to the washroom or something. And then he came back. When he came back, he picked up the can and put it in the recycling, which it's one of those things you have to put your hand up. It's like bear proof cans. So those are kind of annoying to open. And sometimes I think they're icky, but he picked it up. So had I been like, which I don't do, I don't say things to people about that usually because the universe sees and that's a different action. So he might've thought, Oh, she saw or something. And then, so when he came back, he picked it up. So, you know, give people a chance to, to figure stuff out on their own and not necessarily be like, why did you drop that can? That's littering. Or, and I didn't see him drop it, but I think he did. And then on his way back, like two minutes later, he picked it up. So had I said something, which I wouldn't have. Though yesterday I did say something to two little kids who sometimes at the corner for crossing at the lights, there's a bit of a, a jut out for pedestrians. So then, then cars can't turn right while there's cars parked to go straight. So then pedestrians are safer, but they were like on the road a little bit. There was like the cement road and then the cement of the, of the sidewalk to go onto the road, which was like good for bikes and stuff. I'm not describing this very well, but they were on the road part of that cement. And I said to them, I said, you know, you need to be careful because sometimes people aren't paying attention and they take the corner a little too close and they're pretty much on the road and they could get run over people not seeing them um somebody was killed at that corner on the other side that's one of the reasons why they're probably doing those upgrades so there was a kid on a scooter and his little sister and they're quite young i wouldn't think she was more than 10 and he was more than six or seven and i i did say something to them because they're little kids and i wouldn't want them to get run over hopefully they stay back like i always stay back So anyway, I gave the adult, well I didn't give the adult, but he ended up picking it up himself. Um, um, yeah, anyway. So I realized that some of the things that I bought recently kind of represent what I want to do. So I bought that Optical Illusions game I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to today, hopefully. And it represents that the world we live in is kind of an optical illusion. The thoughts we think create salience around things that we've been conditioned with, which make it kind of an optical illusion. And so I just wrote down, wrote down thought is an optical illusion that systematizes and conditions salience. It limits it to thought. Thought is salience. What is practical is conditioned. 
So I'm having a lot of insight today into this sort of stuff. So anyway, the optical illusions like to go out and play that game with people and sort of challenge perception or, or challenge how the brain makes visual sense of things. Um, and also that little ball that I bought, which is like a puzzle. It's like a representation of of pointing back to the process of using one's own brain. So, you know, here I am like wanting to be like, let's look at how weird perception is and how it's not, things aren't what they seem per se. And also here, use your brain and think for yourself and, and challenge yourself here. And then, um, you know, the heart cards, like special messages and messages from the heart. And then also, what else? Fun and good sound, like harmonizing sound, like that little musical instrument that I bought. And um, this morning I watched... I started my day by watching a video on from Mad TV of Miss Swan at Starbucks. I used to watch that show a little bit when I was younger and I just thought it was pretty funny. So bringing more humor in and maybe starting the day off with humor. So maybe bringing some of these objects that represent certain processes. So I don't know if I'm really that interested in these objects as much as the processes. So. I don't necessarily want to spend money on those types of things because it's just more stuff. But they do, the stuff is that it does help point to certain processes that we take for granted. And um, like one is what we see, we take that for granted. We don't think that it's conditioned or any kind of optical illusion. And, um, and I was thinking about smell today because I have vanilla essential oil in my diffuser right now. And I got this little diffuser for my car and I put vanilla smell on that. And I was thinking about how maybe I won't smell vanilla as much because of how there's so much of it. And the brain eventually decides that uh, certain stimuli aren't important and edits them out or negates them. So that's the way the brain saves room for more information or whatever it does. It starts to ignore that. So I think in the same way our brain has decided that that thought isn't harmful and so it stops to sense, it stops sensing the harm that it's doing. Like we don't smell thought or sense it like we smell a, a certain smell that we might decide is dangerous or unpleasant. Um, so I think what uh, Dr. David Bohm would say is that thought doesn't have any proprioception of, of 
itself. It doesn't sense what it's doing. It says it's not doing anything. It's just um, observing. But it's actually limiting. And I was thinking about how thought gives us the same internal psychology. We all share the same anger, the same hurt or hate. Um, so it gives us the same sort of theory of mind. And a lot of times our brains are going on and on inside about like the mathematics of psychology. Like what's the other person thinking? So what should I do based on what I think they're thinking? It's like a poker game. And um, when it's doing that, it can't fully look at what's happening now. So if we're in math class doing math, it's really hard to go about walking around in nature and doing math at the same time. We wouldn't be able to see the nature if, we're, if we have our head in a book doing math. So in the same way we have our head in this human theory of mind book in our minds and that sort of like zooms us into that part of the brain like we're looking at that part of the brain we're not looking at what's out there and then by doing that we can't see like we're so busy um, doing that math of psychology in our heads that we can't see what's what's happening actually and the interesting thing is since we ha all have that same sort of thought self algorithm going on inside um, it makes us all kind of the same. It makes us, it assimilates us. It makes us mediocre because we're all kind of wasting our energy doing that. And it's interesting that it makes us all the same in that it sort of um, makes us all mediocre. But the thing that it does is it makes us think that we're all different. And it makes we, us think that we're all um, separate and divided. So it makes us all the same in the way the brain's working and the sameness of the brain working makes us all think that we're these separate beings and we're not um, really participating with the world. We're separate from each other. And um, we think that we're being objective, but really um, we're being projective. We're projecting and um, dividing ourselves from each other. Um, so we're... Yeah, anyway, I don't really know what I'm saying, but I was seeing it more clearly earlier. And I wrote down that um, I was thinking about when we get to the peak of mania. I don't know if it's the peak, but the point where we feel like I have to save the world. I think that's a miss. Um, understanding of Krishnamurti's statement, I am the world, which most of us aren't aware of. So um, when we think that we need to save the world, like because we're all knowing, um, we need to save this world. I don't think we can save this world. Um, but then when we realize that, then we can put energy into creating our own world. 
So I think what we do is we do put energy into creating our own world when we go into that subjectivity or um, perceptivity of mania. And then we get to a certain point where like, um, well, with all this that I know now, I can come back and save the world. Um, and it could be true to some extent that we can do some things. And, but then in order to save that world, we have to leave the own, our own world, our dream world, that we created. So we come back to this objective world and the objective world. And um, so in a way we do come back to try to share some of that. But the thing is when we're not able to transform or change states, um, then we get afraid. So we get afraid when our brain starts getting limited again. And if we get afraid, then we call for psychiatric help and they try to help ensure that they create some kind of system of knowledge that will ensure that we'll never try to do that again. Um, that will eventually see it as some kind of mental illness when I think it's just the brain changing, changing algorithms. And I had this realization this morning that I was saved by the technology of love and love is the greatest technology or algorithm love is and it's it's nothing to do with humans per se it's it's the algorithm of the whole universe and the whole Gaia sphere is love and we don't know what that is we've turned love into to jealousy and to possession and attachment and things like that which that's not love and so it's in a way only by by not possessing or not attaching and this is psychologically we can still have stuff but if we're not possessing people psychologically we're not part of that that human theory of mind game that has been created that we don't have to be a part of and um, all of that is part of the reaction of memory and if we can be still, then we can't be be touched. Like I was realizing that if one doesn't even react in the brain cells, if everything's still when something is, is, is moving towards us, it won't know what to do because we're not reacting. So it will it will stop them. And yeah, I think it's sort of thought wanting to come in and limit limit this brain or, or brains like this one in order for their own comfort because it's it's quite uncomfortable to go between states and um, yeah like we are the the technology humans are the technology and we're part of the universe and the universe is the technology and we think that our human technology that we create is that powerful but um, you know I realize that when that energy comes in, it does make, say there's six people around, it makes all those six brains act together in the field. So the field and perceiving the field, even if one brain is perceiving it and the others aren't, that brain still is creating a vibe of perceiving the field which would vibe with the other brain. So they still would pick up on it even if they're not aware of it. And that would be the field and the human brains and the human beings acting all as one in those moments. And the more of those moments there are, 
the more it changes the whole algorithm of human consciousness. So it's more powerful to be around people that are open to that because if they're not, say one is around family and one gets really perceptive and, and the vibes of that changes the brains of one's family, they don't necessarily want that. They don't want that change. So to be around people who are into consciousness and growth and, and alignment with oneness is important because then it's not really that noticeable because there's no reaction of thought. Like when other brains, when the other brain cells realize what's happening, the reaction of thought comes powerfully out of them and they can do mean things to the one who is, is, is causing that resonance change, um, like lashing out at them. And I do think this is part of why, um, psychiatrists, sometimes they say really mean things to people like stuff I've heard that psychiatrists have said to people over the years. It's not even the psychiatrist. It's not personal. They're, it's thought trying to limit that person and, and scare them into not ever going into that type of brain algorithm again. Or when they do, turning themselves into the psychiatric authorities to be reconditioned. Man, I don't like loud trucks. One day all this noise pollution will be illegal. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.